Blog Talk Radio. Hey there, Dr. Ross Green here. Time for another edition of Helping Behaviorally Challenging Students. Coming to you, as always, live from the offices of Lives in the Balance here in Portland, Maine. It is great to be back on the air again. Um, Well, I'm hoping that you're feeling like it's great to be back in school again. The only problem, of course, is that the behaviorally challenging students were there waiting for you when you got back. And all of the problems that were unsolved at the end of last school year are probably still unsolved at the beginning of this school year, and there's probably a big pile of them. Of course, you do have those kids who you helped last year, and hopefully they have fewer unsolved problems than they did. But then, of course, there's all the ones that we didn't get to last school year who are waiting for us this school year. Uh, If you want to call in, today would not be a bad day to do it. We have a special um, thing here in the beginning, and I'm not positive how long that's going to take. We're going to look at the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems here at the beginning of the program. By special request, I've actually been sent along uh, a completed assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems. And um, we are going to be having the person who sent it to me uh, on the phone with me just momentarily so that we can go over the ALSIP and I can give her feedback on the writing of unsolved problems. But after that, um, well, lots of time, I think, to call in. Uh, The number to call in is 646-727-2691. And, um, well, so we do have a special request on today's program. Um, Naturally, if you want to solve problems with a behaviorally challenging student, you need to know what those problems are. You don't need to know what behaviors the kid is exhibiting. The behaviors are just what happens when in response to the unsolved problems. And the behavior, as you've probably heard me say many times on this program, the behavior is the least important part. The behavior lets you know that there is a problem, but it doesn't tell you what the problem is. And a big part of the reasons behaviors of behaviorally challenging students remain, excuse me, the problems of behaviorally challenging students remain unsolved is because we never really identified what they were in the first place. So neither we nor the student knew what we were actually working on. When we are focused on behavior, we are in behavior modification mode. But if you work with a kid on hitting, you are simultaneously working with him on every single unsolved problem that gives rise to his hitting. And you can't work on those unsolved problems all at once. Can't be done. That's what happens when we work on a behavior. But if we want to start working on problems, we have to get very good at identifying unsolved problems so that we and the student do know what we're working on. And so I'm going to bring on the air right now an educator. How are you today? I'm not going to use names or locations, but how are you today? 
I'm good. How are you? I am well. Good. Thank you for sending in your ALSIP. Thank you for looking at it. And you want some feedback, yes? Yes, I do. And I am delighted to provide it. Now, here's the deal. Before I provide you with feedback, I want to run through the guidelines for the writing of unsolved problems, just to orient everybody and to provide a sort of foundation for the feedback I'm going to provide. So let me go through the guidelines. These are the guidelines for writing unsolved problems. As I always say, checking off a lagging skill on the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems is not hard. Writing in an unsolved problem that meets these four guidelines is hard. So these guidelines make the writing of unsolved problems harder, but simultaneously, and this is why there are these guidelines, make it easier for the student, who we very badly want to have participate in the process of solving the problem collaboratively, participate in the process. So, yes, these guidelines do make the writing of unsolved problems harder, but they greatly increase the likelihood that the student will actually participate in the process. So here's guideline number one. The unsolved problem, and I think that yours are largely good on this count. Okay. Uh, the unsolved problem should be free of challenging behavior. Okay. So we don't want to put challenging behaviors in the unsolved problem. It's okay to put expected behaviors in the unsolved problem. Um, what the expectation is, just not the challenging behavior the student is exhibiting because he's having trouble meeting that expectation. Okay. And that that um, guideline is there, and you did a fine job with that one, as best I can recollect. Um, okay. the, the reason that one's in there is because we want to make a very clear distinction for the caregivers that the behavior is not the unsolved problem. The unsolved problem giving rise to the behavior is the unsolved problem. But here's another reason to keep the challenging behavior out of the unsolved problem, out of the wording. Because the wording of the unsolved problem is pretty much going to translate directly into the wording we use to introduce the unsolved problem to the student when we are doing the introduction to the empathy step to plan B. We're introducing the unsolved problem to the student. And a lot of students, kids in general, but students as well, if you throw their challenging behavior at them when you're trying to get them to talk about their concern or perspective on the unsolved problem, they won't talk. So the challenging behavior is out. The expected behavior can be in. That's why. And I like and to tell you the truth, you didn't seem to have trouble with that one. Here's okay, guideline number two. Guideline number two is that the unsolved problem is free of adult theories. So we are not trying to explain anything in our wording of the unsolved problem, which means we are leaving the word because out of the end of the unsolved problem, along with everything that might come after because, like because he comes from that neighborhood or because his parents are going through a difficult divorce or because whatever. We're leaving because and everything that comes after it out. Okay. That's guideline number two. Why are we doing that? Because if we throw our theory at the student as well, we've noticed 
that you're having difficulty completing the assigned reading in science because your parents are going through a difficult divorce, first of all, our theories are frequently wrong. And secondly, it gives the kid yet another thing that he has to think about. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. In addition to what it is that we really wanted him to think about, which is his concern or perspective on this unsolved problem. So we're leaving theories out as well. Here's guideline number three, and this is the one most people struggle with. The the unsolved problem is split, not clumped. So here's an example of a clumped unsolved problem. Difficulty writing. We're going to split that into the many different things, potentially many different assignments and assignments in classes that the student is having difficulty writing in. So here's an example. Difficulty writing the term paper in English would be an unsolved problem. Difficulty writing the definitions to the spelling words would be an unsolved problem. Difficulty writing the answers to the Items on the social studies worksheet would be an unsolved problem. Those would be three separate unsolved problems. The reason we are not clumping is because if we clump, we greatly reduce the likelihood that the student will actually talk to us. If we say, I've noticed you're having difficulty writing, what's up? Then what we've asked him to do is think about all the different assignments in all the different classes that he's having difficulty writing, and that's a lot to think about. And a lot of students, most in fact, are not going to be able to think that through, at which point they're going to say, I don't know, or mm-hmm. nothing. Or they're going to get frustrated and say something even more colorful. That's okay. guideline number three, and it's the one most people have the most trouble with. Yes. Guideline number four. You can see why I'm going through these, yes? Yes, I definitely can because I'm looking at the front page of what I sent you, and right. I'm going number That's three okay, right though. here. Yeah. But this is how this is how people get good at this. Um, guideline number four, the last one, and this overlaps a little bit with splitting instead of clumping, is that the unsolved problem should be specific, mostly related to who, and or what, and or where when and also related to what expectation, what specific expectation the child, the student is having difficulty meeting. Mm-hmm. So, are you ready? I'm ready. And I really appre- I appreciate you doing this. Thank goodness this is anonymous, eh? Right, right, absolutely. Nobody knows who you are. Nobody knows where you're from. Um, maybe people even think that this was rigged but it's not you actually it's, did ask for input and you're going to get did. it awesome yeah, I so appreciate for you. it that was very brave all right so um i'm not even going to read the lagging skill that is theoretically at least associated with the unsolved problem that actually right. doesn't matter that much i'm going to read your unsolved problems ready okay. and let me see if i'm on page one i, I am on page one um The first one is difficulty attending to course schedule. Mm -hmm. Now, that does not have a challenging behavior in it, so you're good there. 
I would say, though, that at the very least it might be clumped. Okay. And at the very least it's not specific enough. Yep. So if I was in a school meeting, I would then say, and I was, if I was facilitating this discussion with the ALSIP as the discussion guide, I would say, um, what part of the course schedule is he having difficulty attending to? What would you say? Uh, going to um, classes when they when they are scheduled to go to them. Um, it's math time. Would rather do science. Um, I have a small group, self-contained type setting. Um, so instead of going to math, would prefer to do something different. All right. So now I'm a little confused because I might okay. be hearing a little bit of a theory in there. Okay. I'm hearing prefer to do something different. That's probably a theory. That's a theory. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I am hearing that is a little more specific is that he's having difficulty getting to certain specific classes on time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Is that accurate? That's very accurate. Good. So and now if I was going to split that, if I was going to split that, I would say what classes he's having difficulty getting to on time, and each would be a separate unsolved problem. What if that's, and, and I'm, some things are predictable and some things aren't, on any given day, it could be a different class. So would it be considered clumping to keep it as classes? I would say so, and here's why. Okay. I don't want to assume that he's having difficulty getting to social studies on time for the same reason he's having difficulty getting to math on time. Okay. Good call. Okay. Okay. They might be different. And here's, here's the good news. It, it, if we split it and we find out why he's having difficulty getting to social studies on time and we mm-hmm. start with that very specific unsolved problem, which once again makes it easier for him to tell us, about that one specific unsolved problem, whereas if we clump it, it might make it difficult for him to answer at all because he's now got to answer for all of the classes he's having difficulty getting on time to. I'd rather ask about one at a time. But Mm -hmm. after I've gotten some information from him, and now I understand why he's having difficulty getting to science on time, I then can say to him, so let me ask you this. Now that I understand why you're having difficulty getting to science on time, do you think that what I now know about that also relates to why you're having difficulty getting to math on time? So you might actually be able to find out if they are clumped, clumpable, but you're not going to be able to find out if they're clumpable if you clump early. You've got to split early, then you can clump later. Okay. Now here's my only question. Maybe clump later. See, here's what he's going to say. He's either going to say yes or no, Right. If he says no, they are unrelated, then I'm glad we split them. Right. If he says, yeah, they kind of are related, then maybe we'll see how clumpable they are. Okay. Make sense? Right, and then continue drilling at that point to discern. Correct. Okay. Now, if we go back to the wording, difficulty attending to course schedule, now that we've had this discussion, and, and now let me just, before we go back to that, is it, now, you were asking, um, what if it's not always so predictable? Mm-hmm. So long as, he's, so long as um, 
he's having difficulty getting to a class on time. Some of the time, mm-hmm. it's predictable. Good call. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's predictable. It may not be 100% predictable, but mm-hmm. I don't usually come across the 100% reliably predictable unsolved problems very often. That just does not happen. <laughs> right. so, truth is, if it increases, if if he's if he's if we have a 10% likelihood that he's going to have difficulty being on time to math, it's an mm-hmm. unsolved problem. Happens one out of every 10 times. I'd call that predictable. Not mm-hmm. perfectly predictable, but predictable enough for us to work on it. Okay. Now, here's my only thing. Is is the best way to word that difficulty getting to math class on time, or is it more that he's having difficulty leaving what he's working on to go to the next class? Which do you think would be the better wording? I think the, the first one, because most often the lesson before well, no, it could be. What I was going to say is most often the lesson before, the activity before is, is done prior to that transition time. But then again, the secondary piece of that is there's independent time at the end of that block. So they're leaving independent time to go to another academic. So so your big decision would be whether to word it as difficulty getting to XYZ class on time Mm-hmm. Or difficulty leaving X Y Z class to get to A B C class on mm-hmm. time. Your mm-hmm. call on the wording. I think both would yep. be fine. Yep. You just get to pick what you think would be the best. Good. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now, good. So this is see the guidelines make it pretty explicit. And I'm going to be. By the way, I've been meaning to do this all summer, but like everything else that I try to get done, things get in the way. I'm going to be trying to post on the Lives in the Balance website tonight in the resources section guidelines Mm -hmm. for the writing of unsolved problems. And it's going to include everything I just said. Okay. Okay. Let's move on to another one, shall we? Sure. The next unsolved problem is difficulty discussing concerns with staff. Mm. Now... At the very least, it's not specific enough. Right. At the very least, it's clumped. But because what I would ask is, what what's he having difficulty talking about with staff? Um, maybe, well, it's not maybe, it is. Um, what the barrier is between, well, what the barrier is to getting going on the work. Um because so he's go ahead i i'm just i'm trying i want to make sure i'm not be giving too much information um very very difficult to to motivate the student to do any academics at all and so therefore you know you i do the what's up you know this is one of those required things that you need to do yeah i don't care and that's you know so then i'm like okay so that's not going right now and then we reapproach it um but getting getting the kiddo, I think, oh, I'm theorizing, um, just getting the kiddo to open up a little bit and let me know what's going on so that we can move on to what needs to be done. All right. So that's an interesting one. So it's um, definitely clumped. <laughs> definitely clumped. And, and my other question is this. I, I would 
be most intrigued by that one if the difficulty the student was having discussing concerns was being done proactively, if the discussion was proactive Mm -hmm. about a specific unsolved problem and being done in the context of the empathy step of Plan B. If any of those things isn't true, or and I'd especially be interested in knowing if he's having this trouble discussing his concerns on clumped unsolved problems. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if we would find out if he's really having difficulty discussing concerns. Right. If we were doing this proactively, not emergently, right. on specific and split unsolved problems, not clumped unsolved problems. So I might table that one, but you're right. That one is at the very least clumped and not specific enough, but that one might go away the minute we're sure that we're being proactive, Mm -hmm. approaching him or her with split, not clumped, and specific unsolved problems. That one could disappear. I was just, um, as I was thinking that through, as you were talking, I was kind of going back to the last unsolved problem that we discussed, and I'm wondering if as we address the, you know, the difficulty getting from A to B and, and that sort of stuff, if that then will we'll take care of some of that. Um, well, the more you sense, split but. the unsolved problems, the less you'll have to worry about him having difficulty discussing clumped unsolved problems, I'd say that. <laughs> right, that's for sure. <laughs> yes, definitely for sure. Let's move on to some more. Ready? Yep. And I'm you're gonna know you're gonna know what's the matter with these. Ready? I, I do know, yep. Good. So difficult these are all in the same category. Difficulty yep. initiating reading tasks. That's yep. go ahead, you tell us. It's clumped, it's uh and it's not specific enough. Beautiful. Um, you're, all, you're, you're all over it. Yeah. Difficulty completing. The first one was difficulty initiating reading tasks. The next, and here's the interesting thing. You you actually did try to split it because the first one is difficulty initiating reading tasks. The second is difficulty completing reading tasks. So at least in mm-hmm. one respect, they are split. Right. It's just that right. they're not split enough. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Like Same. it should be reading tasks in science, or at the very or, least. Right. At the, well, right. It at could the, be on the sequence of events activity. Correct. Beautiful. Okay. Okay. Um, same for difficulty completing math tests. Same for difficulty participating in academic tasks. That, if you split that one, you'd get ten or eleven unsolved problems just out of that mm-hmm. one. Yeah. All right. Now here's now now here's some of the interesting ones. Ready? I'm going to skip a few, but this is an interesting one. This is the one that I was most interested in discussing, not that I'm not interested in all of them. (laughs) Difficulty difficulty accepting consequences. Mm. What does that one mean? Uh, Difficulty difficulty hearing no. Um, Difficulty when a natural consequence is put into place um, blaming other people. So as I'm talking to you, I'm thinking the difficulty is accepting responsibility for actions. Um, But that's the accepting consequences when we say no or another time, there's a big dramatic explosion. 
All right. Show. So now here's the question. Because mm-hmm. if we are solving problems collaboratively, mm-hmm. then he won't need to accept consequences because we're not given them. Right. That's one little point. Mm-hmm. But if I was in a meeting and, and that was what was said, my immediate question would be, what's he getting consequences for? What are we mm-hmm. saying no about? Because whatever he's getting consequenced for is an unsolved problem. Otherwise, he wouldn't be getting consequenced for it. Okay. Whatever we're saying no about must be an unsolved problem. Otherwise, mm-hmm. we wouldn't be saying no about it. Right. So no, and a lot of people try to write on the else of difficulty with the word no. That cannot that that's not an unsolved problem. It's what we're saying no about that's the unsolved problem. And now our list starts to grow. Okay. Um. Difficulty accepting responsibility would not be an unsolved problem. It's clumped in the first place. But also, I'm not sure that our goal is to get him to take responsibility. Our goal is to solve the problems that are causing the challenging behavior that we would like him to take responsibility for. Here's what I've always said. If a student is participating in the process of solving the problems collaboratively that are giving rise to his challenging behavior, then he is most assuredly taking responsibility, and he is most assuredly being held accountable. So it all depends on what our definition of responsibility and accountability is, but if we were in a meeting, back to the original point, and the we were going to try to run with difficulty accepting consequences and as an unsolved problem, I would try rapidly to turn the conversation to what is he getting consequences for? Mm-hmm. Those are unsolved problems. Okay. So if he's getting consequenced for acting up in the line on the way from recess back to class, mm-hmm. then difficulty standing in line, standing quietly in line on the way from recess back to the class is the unsolved problem. Now, the fact that he's getting consequenced for it is more a reflection of how we're handling it right now than it is a reflection of what the actual unsolved problem is. Right. Does that make sense? It does. It makes perfect sense. So that's the crucial. Next, I mean, that's probably the most crucial thing I've said during the whole program. Yeah, I think that. Uh, yeah, that's very important. So, if we're looking at the difficulty accepting consequences, and I know that you know you have the paper in front of you, others don't. Um, but the difficulty respecting um, peers and personal space—that's one of the things that is going on that leads to a consequence. So, therefore, is that we would want to mix the difficulty accepting consequences and be more, because that one's not not specific and it's not clumped, we would want to go down to the next few boxes where it's kind of teased out a little bit more? If those are the things he's getting consequences for, yes. Yes. 
I, I would nuke. I would get rid of difficulty accepting consequences. But let me read the ones that come later because they are um, they are closer to the mark. Okay. Difficulty respecting peers' personal space in the school setting. Now you know what I'm going to say about in the school setting. It can come we up. want to be more specific about that. We want to split that, right? Yeah. And um, the question, the big question is, will this student understand what you mean if you were to say, "I'm having difficult. I've noticed that you're having difficulty respecting others' personal space, um, mm-hmm. standing in line, coming from recess to back to class." Mm-hmm. If he doesn't know what personal space is then we might have to say difficulty um, keeping your distance from other kids, difficulty keeping your hands to yourself. Um, There might be a better way to say that so that he'll know what we're talking about. We don't want to be using terminology. You know, this is always the delicate balance. We don't want to say the challenging behavior that he's exhibiting, but we do want the unsolved problem to be clear enough so that he knows what we're asking about. But so that right. one could use a little tuning up there. Aside from the fact that it would, it is, it needs to be split, and it needs to be yeah. more specific. We need to know the specific conditions in which he's having difficulty respecting yeah. others' personal space. So Same you know what for, I mean. Oh, sorry. Good. Good. Um, now this is pretty. This is this is close. Difficulty okay. entering social groups without touching. Oh, it's a her. Difficulty entering social groups without touching her peers. Mm-hmm. Now, social groups is pretty specific. Mm-hmm. Without touching her peers, um, pretty specific. Okay. Um, the only my only question about that one is whether it could be more specific because there are lots of different social groups throughout the day, so that one mm-hmm. could be split more, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but that's getting in range. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, difficulty following school dress code <laughs> probably could be more specific. Okay. We'd want to know the specific aspects of the school dress code that she is having difficulty, um, Those the expectations she's having difficulty meeting, right? Okay, yeah. Do, do you want to be more specific about that now to just give us an example? Um, basically, uh, just not making sure that, um, the top of her body is well covered and and not distracting, um, to those around her. Um, Got it. She's showing too much cleavage. (laughs) Well, yes, yes. And I am pretty sensitive in my setting, uh, with the population that I have that we respect our bodies and ourselves. Um, Got it. Yeah. So we can't say difficulty respecting your body and yourself, but we can say difficulty. Um, oh, I had it. I don't think we need to put the word cleavage in there, but yeah, difficulty making sure the top of your body is well covered while at school might be not a terrible way to word that. Yep. I'm writing as we go. <laughs> Good, but you, you, I mean, I think we don't have to go through every single one of them. But yeah, no. Um, the last one, my, the last one that is, is easiest here is um, 
difficulty returning. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. difficulty returning to classroom or other designated area. Mm-hmm. Is that because she's been sent somewhere, or is that just that she's having difficulty moving from X to Y? Um, that's difficulty um, during frustration, um, not following the direction. When she's frustrated, yeah. she gets sent somewhere. Um, no, she sends herself somewhere. Um, she and just then she has trouble coming out. back. Right, yeah. Got it. Yeah. So that's interesting, because I suppose we could run with that as an unsolved problem, but to tell you the truth, I'd rather run with the unsolved problems that are causing her to have to be right. removed from the classroom in the first place. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Because mm-hmm. this unsolved problem, I mean, it might be fine on its own, but that unsolved problem is um, the solution to another unsolved problem. Right. And I don't know if we want to do an unsolved problem on a solution. Mm-hmm. I think we'd rather do it on the problems that have caused us to come to those solutions. Right. Yep. Do you know what I'm saying? I do. I do. Because just like the one on the previous page, you know, if we start taking care of some of the other unsolved problems. Then, then I don't think you're going to have to take care of that one. Right. Right. I absolutely agree. This this is a tremendous help. I'm so glad Sheila called me today. <laughs> I'm glad that you sent in the um, ALSIP for me to take a look at. I just knew that um, lots of people would benefit from our discussion. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you would like to send in another uh, revised ALSIP, yep. we'll we'll do it on next week's program. Okay. All right. Do you want me to call Sound it like again? a plan? As yeah. you wish. Absolutely, that would be great. Thank let you us, so much. Let us Ross. know if you'll be calling. And the good news is, um, if you've benefited from this feedback, then so have lots of other people. Excellent, excellent. Thank, thank you, you so for much. Um, thanks for being brave. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Great. Thank you. <laughs> bye bye. Uh, well, that you know what this program is about. Uh, doing exactly what we just did. I've got a few emails during that conversation. Um, Here's one. You wouldn't consequence the child if you had a reading or math problem. You figure out the problem together and get him or her the help he or she needs. Uh, Here's another. Um, In reference to the beginning of the new school year, using Plan B even for only 15 minutes a day, will help to solve problems, indirectly teach lagging skills, and eventually significantly reduce or even eliminate the maladaptive behavior. You can solve lots of problems over the year as well as teach the other children in the class many important skills and life lessons that will serve them well throughout their lives. There you go. Remember to have the right lenses on. Kids do all if they can. This is not about motivating the student. Thank you for your emails. We have one more that I think we have time to cover today. Hang on one second. Let me pull that one up. And here it is. This is one from over the summer. 
Dr. Green, I've been trained in your program as a teacher in an elementary school. I am now working with a child development center in the capacity of a child development specialist working with behaviorally or developmentally challenged children. I'm wanting to implement Plan B, but when working with preschool age children, I wasn't sure how successful I would be. I'm wondering if you have any recommendations around what age I could start using your program and if using the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems might be a useful tool to use to help others see behavior in a different light. I would appreciate any suggestions or advice you may have. Well, I appreciate you emailing in with that question. Thank you. Um, you know, I do recommend using the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems to identify the lagging skills and unsolved problems of uh, younger kids, um, even preschool-aged. The Certainly the writing of unsolved problems uh, wouldn't be inhibited at all by the child's age. Um, if a three-year-old is having difficulty sharing with Billy Bob during choice time, well, uh, he's having difficulty sharing with Billy Bob during choice time. That's an unsolved problem no matter how old the kid is. Um, if a uh, one-and-a-half-year-old is having difficulty settling down to fall asleep at night in his own bedroom without parents laying down next to him. That's an unsolved problem, uh, even if the kid's three years old. So the unsolved problem part of the ALSIP is not going to be affected by the age of the child. You could write unsolved problems down for infants, difficulty digesting the food that we've been feeding him is an unsolved problem, and we could do that for a one-week-old kid. So the unsolved problems, uh, age of the kid, not going to be a major factor. Uh, I mean, the, the specific unsolved problems that you're writing in could be influenced by age, but the writing of unsolved problems would not be influenced by age. The lagging skill part can be a little bit more interesting because, and this is true, some of the skills that are on the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems, you might not even expect in a child at a certain age. Like, here's, an unsolved, here's a lagging skill. Difficulty expressing needs, concerns, thoughts in words. Well, I don't know if you'd expect that from a one-and-a-half-year-old. I suspect not. But if the child, even at a year-and-a-half, is difficulty communicating about needs, thoughts, concerns, difficulty letting adults know what's the matter. Well, then that lagging skill, if we take out the word words, is relevant to a year-and-a-half-year-old child. So if a lagging skill, whether we would expect it from a child at a certain developmental age or not, if that lagging skill is giving rise to unsolved problems, then the unsolved problems are real. And it's still good to see the child through the prism of lagging skills. Can you do plan B with preschoolers? Well, as many of you know, uh, I think we collaborate with infants. I think infants have unsolved problems. We need to figure out what they are. 
heat, cold, lights, noises, changes, fear of certain things, whether it's developmentally appropriate or not, it's still an unsolved problem. We've still got something to work on. That's the key point. Even if most year-and-a-half-year-olds are scared of mm, monsters being under the bed, even if that's developmentally normative, with developmentally normative being a meaningfully high percentage of kids of the same age, also have that unsolved problem. It doesn't make it any less of an unsolved problem. We still need to do something about it. doesn't matter whether he's 10, at which point being scared of monsters under the bed would be developmentally more unusual, or a year and a half where it would be less unusual, we still have work to do. That's the important point. Now the question becomes, to what degree can we engage the child in providing us with some information about what's getting in the way? To what degree can the child be engaged in the process of generating solutions? To what degree can the child hear the adult's concerns in the define the problem step. Um, at the very least, we want info from the child about what's getting in the way. And if a child doesn't have the words to tell us, I'm willing to bet that the child is communicating about what's getting in the way, or at the very least that something's getting in the way in some way. Might not be the highest quality of information that we were looking for, but it's still info, and the more info we have, the better we understand what's getting in the kid's way, and the more info we have, the better able we are to come up with solutions that address those concerns. Now the big question, another big question, I've already mentioned it, can the child be engaged in the process of coming up with those solutions? You'll find out. So, if you want to implement Plan B with preschool age kids, but you're not sure how successful you'll be, try it out. See how successful you'll be. If you've got a kid who doesn't have words, see if they can communicate using pictures about their concerns. If a child is having difficulty participating in the process of coming up with solutions, believe it or not, the vast majority of solutions fit into one of three categories. Ask for help. Do it a different way. Give a little. Kids at very young ages can be taught about those three categories of solutions, and that can be the foundation upon which they think about solutions and that structures the discussion of potential solutions. Cool, eh? Give it a whirl. See how it goes. I think you're going to have preschoolers who are really good at this. And I think you're going to have some preschoolers who struggle with it. That's okay. These are skills that will serve them very well at any point in life. And the earlier, the better. Just a few more emails. Ah! took the words right out of my mouth. One of our listeners is writing, it's great to begin and use Plan B at an early age before the unsolved problems pile up. I couldn't have said it better myself. 
And here's another one. Sometimes with practice, the child can learn to communicate more information. We got some good listeners on this program. They fill in the gaps. And we're done with this edition of Helping Behaviorally Challenging Students. Thank you so much for listening. And today, I do hope you found today's program to be informative and helpful. That's the goal. And uh, we'll be back next week with another edition. Talk to you then.